The Old Testament reading is recorded in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verses 10 through 20. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again. Naked as he came, and shall, not, shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle lesson is recorded in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is the epistle lesson by the writer to the Hebrews, chapter 4. I will just reread this one verse. Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Thus far, our text. I suppose you can say there's a lot of different kinds of people in the world. Some people like to get things done right now. If you mention it, I'll do it. Other people are at the other end of the spectrum, and we call them procrastinators. You know, you know what it's like to procrastinate? I remember as a child, It took us children forever to do the supper dishes. We just didn't want to do them. Of course, then you don't like to hang up your clothes after church. You don't like to get up early in the morning, on Sunday anyway, maybe on other days. Like, do you remember Arthur Fiedler? He was the uh, director of the Boston Pops Philharmonic. One time somebody asked him, what was it like? He was a violinist. 
Now, what was it like? Did you love to practice? He said, we wouldn't brush our teeth if mother didn't tell us. So in other words, they procrastinated about practicing. We have all kinds of things we procrastinate about. Washing the car, doing the dishes, washing the laundry, mowing the yard, going to work maybe, getting ready for things, on and on and on goes the list. But, there's one thing that the Lord says, don't procrastinate about. In fact, he repeats it numerous times. He says, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off until tomorrow, because you may not have a tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. God told us that in the Old Testament. He has repeated it in the New Testament numerous times. Today is the day of salvation. So I say, if you noticed in the bulletin, the theme of my sermon is today is the most important day of your life. Let me give you an example. One day I received a phone call from the chaplain of the hospital. There was a young lady there who had just moved into town from, I think it was Ohio. A young married lady, if I remember right, I think she was 22. She didn't have a church, she didn't have a pastor, and she had just been diagnosed with leukemia. The chaplain called me and asked me to visit her. He knew I would do that. He happened to be my member. So he knew that his pastor would go and visit, which I did. And it was just before Christmas. And I read to her the Christmas story from Luke, chapter 2, 1 through 20. And I shared the gospel with her. Of course, that is all gospel. But after I read the gospel of St. Luke, the Christmas story, she sat up in bed, and with this beautiful smile on her face, she said, that is beautiful. I went to visit her then on Sunday morning after church. And when I asked for her, they said, he has passed. He's no longer with us. That day was today for her. Today she heard about her Savior Jesus Christ and she gladly received him. And with this beautiful smile on her face responded, that is beautiful. Which is true. The story of Jesus Christ is beautiful. It's the most beautiful word we can ever hear. For God tells us that in his Son, he loves us and forgives us and wants us to spend eternity with him in his heaven. There is nothing in this world more beautiful than that. 
that God, the one who created the vast universe and everything in it and us, loves us. That's amazing that he would love us. He loved the Israelites, whom the writer to the Hebrews writes about. He loved them, and he brought them out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land and did all these miracles before them, spreading of the sea that they might go through on dry land, appearing to them as a pillar of fire and day, that was Christ, and a pillar of smoke or a cloud at night. All the time he was with them for 40 years like that throughout their days in the desert. And what did they do? They hardened their hearts and didn't believe. That is amazing. What does God have to do to show us who he is and that he loves us and cares for us and wants us to spend eternity with him? And he wants us to know him and love him right now in this life. But the writer to the Hebrews said, they hardened their hearts against him. So he says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to us today, today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your hearts against the Lord and his word, but believe what he says to you, that you are a poor, miserable sinner, and that you have rebelled against him numerous times. You haven't done what he's commanded you to do, and you have done what he's commanded you not to do. And he says, repent. Repent, metanoia. Repent, have a change in heart and mind. That is, don't be the master of your own destiny. But realize that you are human flesh and someday you will take your last breath and then you will return to dust. Repent of your unbelief and turn to Christ in truth. For today, he is offering us forgiveness and the certain promise of eternal life. Christ died in our stead. He bore our sins. God gave his only begotten son for us that we might have forgiveness. In his body, he paid the debt. He gave his life for us in our stead the great exchange. God himself became our disobedient people. And in its place, he gives us his righteousness. He bore our sins to the cross and died in our stead and rose triumphantly from the grave that we will do the same. It's amazing 
You go to the cemetery and we bury our loved ones. We put them down into the ground and it looks like to never be seen again. But on the last day, when we hear the trumpets blowing and we see the angels ushering in our Savior, then he will raise all of our loved ones, everyone, up out of the graves and he will glorify our bodies and reunite our souls and bodies and take us to heaven to be with him. Today is the day, he says, to believe his word. Believe what he says to you. Believe what he says to me. And he spends a lot of time and energy trying to bring his wayward children home. It's just amazing what God does out of love for us. I recall one of our members once who was worried about her brother. He lived way up in North, North Dakota, almost up to the Canadian border, out on a farm, away from town, small town, small church eventually had to close. He had no pastor, he had no church, and he had drifted away from his Savior. She was concerned about him and wondered, what can I do about my brother? So I looked up the closest pastor to him, which was in Williston, North Dakota. And I asked him, Pastor, I told him the story, could you visit him? He says, I can't today because I have a funeral, but tomorrow I will. He drove over 65 or 70 miles to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to this man. And he went out, he had to go out in the country, somewhere up there, and find him. And when he found him, graciously he received the pastor and the gospel. And this is God working. And I'm sure you have similar stories too. The great things that God does in our presence that we might know him and believe in him and not harden our hearts against him. But it's amazing. It, it's hard to believe that the Israelites could have seen all that they saw and have God be in their midst as he was and then for them to turn their hearts against him. So we need to do as the author of this text, the inspired author says, do not harden your hearts today. It's amazing. We can be in the church all the days of our life and still at some point we can drift away. Some people get bored with church. Other people think, oh, I go there all the time. I hear the same thing. I'm always hearing about Jesus, you know. I got other things I want to do. 
But just think, this could be your last day. My mother had triple bypass surgery in June. And in September, she got up in the morning and went to the bathroom and never came out. My sister found her on the floor dead. Last time I saw her, she said, I feel great. You just never know. What about that young boy, the basketball player? Remember him from South of Holland? What's that town? Not Fenton, but... Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? They got done with the basketball game, I think. Didn't they win the state championship? And he was running across the floor celebrating? And he had a heart attack, I think. Something. Anyway, it killed him, and he was gone, just like that. A healthy, strong, athletic, 16-year-old boy. We never know when it's our time to go. So the author to the Hebrews admonishes us, encourages us to take God's promise and gifts today seriously and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, and mind and know that he loves you and forgives you. And when it's your turn to be called, he can say unto you, Come, my good and faithful servant, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. God grant that to each and every one of us, today and forever. Amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.